What is going on, Trophy Kids? We are here for the Thursday. Well, it's not Thursday. It's coming out on Wednesday. I apologize. Thanksgiving Day episode. It is Rivalry Week. We had to get something out to you. It went a little bit longer, but a lot of good stuff in there. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, thank you for your continued support. We hope you enjoy this. Hope you have a happy and safe holiday. And let's go. Gets presented by Bad News Media. It is November 24th, Thanksgiving week. Special podcast. Quick one this week. Little disclosure up front. We are doing this from, well, I'm doing this from Virginia back home. So we have minimal equipment, but we had to make sure we got something out to you on this week. So I do have our good friend Dante on the line today. Finally back. Got a little scared last week. And I think the question is do we need to do a wellness check? How, how are we doing with uh, Michigan State, Ohio State? So all joking, all joking aside, I am, I, <laughs> I am really big on wellness. So if anybody needs to do a wellness check after that crazy loss that we had to Ohio State, please do it. Take care of your mental health. With that said, I did not get scared last week. I had a prior engagement that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> um, look, when we lose, I come on this podcast and I talk to Nate about it. Um, it it okay. happens. Uh, as I was telling Nate before the podcast, I think Michigan State has been overperforming this whole year, and it finally came to an end when we met an opponent who um, had everything going for them. And it all happened in the first quarter, so that was great, too. We could just see it <laughs> right there on display. Yep. I think you saw it reflected in the college football playoff rankings as well. Um, um Someone that Michigan State is still in, you know, still worthy of being in the top 15, top 25, but we know who they are now. We know exactly who Michigan State is, um, and there is no guessing game about it. And there is a little bit of comfort in that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and lie. It hurts. I really want to be Ohio State. I want to be in college football playoffs. My hopes here is that once Mel Tucker is able to get his classes in, especially on defense and a little bit on that O-line, um, we will start to see that turnaround. Um, he got these guys to play above their level all year. And yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I, I don't disagree with that. And the season's by far not over because they are yeah. still in contention for a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, they beat Penn State this weekend. They have an opportunity potentially to head to a new New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is what I was talking about when I said I was surprised it wasn't a higher spread in the early 20s. This is what mm -hmm. I talked about with Tim last week as far as that secondary and that defense had obvious holes in it. It yep. was going to be able to get got by an offense that can expose them like Ohio State, who is honest to God, probably the best offense. I don't even think that's arguable at this standpoint in the country right now. Yeah, I mean. If if your hole is passing the ball, they'll take advantage of that. If your hole is running or run defense, they'll take advantage of that. Um, they do a phenomenal job in all assets of that. And then on, on defensive side, they've gotten a whole lot better. Um, the, yes. the run defense is stronger. The pass defense has become is kind of firming up a little bit. So, yeah, it was a dangerous game that they were heading into there at Michigan State uh, or at in Columbus uh -huh, with Michigan yeah. State. And it was the first true road game, too, for MSU. Yeah, and I think the other people, you know, 
there was some parts too. Let's not second. get far over our our skis here. Like the change in the defensive scheme is a big change mm-hmm. when you're playing that many defensive backs. It takes a recruiting cycle or two to start getting guys in that can play more to that that scheme that they're trying to run in Michigan State. We've seen programs, even Ohio State, they made the switch this year as well, and you saw it in the early part of the yeah. season. Their struggle is trying to adjust to it. So it is difficult when you make a dramatic change like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, they were playing yeah. out of their league at that point. They were they were in the deep end, and they weren't Yeah, when you're it. trying to run that Georgia-style defense, you got to have the personnel for it. Yeah, I mean, if you're running five DBs, you gotta you you have to write the right kit. Like Ohio State's transition was a little bit easier. You were able to see them move to that this year just because mm-hmm. of the talent they have on the roster. But even they struggled in the early part of the season, just understanding the scheme of it. Never mind the physical, like the different type of athlete that is required to play in that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I there's no panic button right now. I mean, no, it, it's a little you know you did you did make the investment in the coach beforehand yep. <laughs> um so play it play another game yeah exactly yeah. but the season's not lost yet it, the problems were pretty much there yeah. we'll see where they go michigan um, state is who we thought michigan state was it just took eight games to get there yes exactly yeah. <laughs> yes so. 100% agree with that. So, and then for, for, we're going to know, I know we're going to transition into the Ohio State Michigan because we have to, because it's like, if we don't, we will be shot in the street. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're going to talk. <laughs> just for my Michigan fans, don't panic. Things, crazy things happen in the rivalry game. You won't see that happen in your game. If I was a betting man, you, that, that won't happen in your game. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, before we get there, uh, would you like to take a moment to defend the Big Ten basketball and being an over <clears throat> start of the season because they look like trash? So Indiana and Michigan State won. Yeah, against Butler and St. John's. <laughs> so, Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Illinois so, is out here on a Monday getting waxed by UC. <laughs> man, it was bad. It, you know what's really bad about it is that Every announcer, every talking head, every casual college football, college football, college basketball fan was talking about how good the Big Ten was going to be this year and how good like it was just going to be an all Big Ten tournament. And look, they didn't even rank Michigan State because we know the gauntlet that the Big Ten is. And look at Michigan being ranked four and all of this stuff. And when they didn't rank Michigan State, I was like, oh, those are red flags for me uh, because I think people are being overrated. Now, with that said, there is no reason, and I'm sorry, Nate, there's no reason the Big Ten should not have beaten the Big East in this tip-off tournament. Uh, Excuse you, sir. We are one of the finer establishments in college (laughs) basketball in the Big East. Oh, y'all add UConn, and then you you think you're... (laughs) Hot shit, huh? <laughs> I mean, we did go to the big t- Gavin tip off and win a lot of basketball games. I don't, I, I see a lot of correlation there. I see four ranked teams in the Big East and uh, three in the Big Ten. Three, yeah. Again, yeah. So Xavier played lights out, but Ohio State also crapped a bed at the end there. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that our energy, our defensive play, won us that game, but yeah, oh, okay. and the fact that Scruggs absolutely just yes, oh made, my, made Ohio State his his child. <laughs> he Scruggs was like, I own this state. This team is not allowed to come in here and do this. Yep. I'm going to not only. How many points did he have? Oh, I don't know what he finished with. But though. I'm not, I'm not only going to do this, but every time. Uh, Ohio State's point guard picks up that ball. I am going to take it from him. Yeah, I mean, an awesome game to see because he's been such a big player and is beloved. He came back for his kind of sixth year or his fifth year, sorry, like of eligibility. Um, so he had, oh God, where was that? Yeah, so he's just, he means so much to the program. So for him to have a game like that, to have the impact he had, um, it was definitely awesome to see. It was a nice time. It was also nice to see that big game environment back in Cintas, which is one of the most underrated places yes. in college basketball to watch yeah, a game. I haven't been there. So oh, Z- it's awesome. when Xavier plays Michigan State, I will have to come down to Cincy. Come on down. It's yes. it's a great time. It's uh, so good. We've done this so many times, at least in my lifetime. Like, I don't know, the Gavin tip off, at least for the last four or five years, right? Yeah. I've, I don't think Michigan State has played Xavier. No, we haven't. Um, we almost played each other in a tournament. The tournament, yeah, we got knocked out. If we wouldn't have got knocked yeah. out, we would have played Xavier. Yeah. Um, I tell you what's really unacceptable. Um, and I know people are gonna be like, you're just picking on Michigan. Michigan losing to Seton Hall and then turning right around and losing to UNLV. That's unacceptable. Yeah, that that contract's looking. It was a good time to sign that extension for Howard there. <laughs> <laughs> Very key. Him, Mel Tucker, uh, James Franklin. They're all. I mean, not UNLV, extension. Arizona. Not they play. They beat. Air, yeah, they yeah. beat UNLV and then got waxed by Arizona. Well, I mean, hell, Illinois is out here getting waxed by UC on a Monday. So yeah, I saw that. Conference is down bad. Conference yeah, is down bad. The conference looks bad here. So you know, Michigan State will save the conference. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> Max Christie is getting into his own there. I, here's the other thing. I know I joked about it a little bit that the East is peaking early. Um, I say peaking the, just. We're just, fine. just this is us. The Big East, the Big East, um, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten. Like these are conferences where you're gonna get your chances to get your wins. These are all gauntlets, right? So if you're in those conference the Pac-12 too but their bottom is not as hard as other conferences bottoms yeah Yeah. so um you all these teams have a chance the Big Ten has a chance to bounce back the Big East has a chance to sustain success it's all there in front of all these teams it's early and this is something we we haven't talked about yet but I I talked about with Liddell when he came on is the role that super seniors are going to play this year because we're already seeing in college football where you know the the majority of the media has not adjusted to this and this was a take i gave out um last week was the fact that we're we're going with this kind of blanket statement that nobody's really good this year in college football instead of taking a real look at the fact that like now just the teams that are generally bad are a little bit better this year and harder to put away because they have guys who spend an extra year in the weight room. That's an extra year in film. That's an extra year with the guys. And that, that rises the playing level. I think we're going to see that in college basketball as well. That's another year in the gym. That's another year. Your body is developed. That's another year of working on your craft in the college atmosphere. 
and it's going to make these teams that are generally not that good or teams that like when we see them on paper should, you know, if you're not really following the sports in the in and out, you look at the matchup and you go, well, that's a that's a historic basketball school. They should blow this team out of the water. And then you see these close games or these games that are getting dropped early. And I think that we need to talk about that more, just the role that COVID and the super senior has played in kind of raising the level of play of all Absolutely. these programs that aren't NBA feeders. Like the Kentuckys of the world, and same thing with football. And I, I said like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, that they're really kind of exempt from this because they just reload and they, they're just feeders in the NFL. But all these schools that don't have a ton of kids go to the NFL that get that extra year are going to be so much better this year. And that applies to basketball as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll be remiss before we jump off this basketball um, topic if we don't talk about the Zags versus UCLA. That's happening oh, tonight. Great matchup. This will or this happened yesterday for people listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, great matchup. And this is why I make the controversial statement that college basketball is a superior product to college football, especially early in the year, because you get matchups oh, yeah. like this. We got <laughs> Bill and Obi UCLA early in the season, too. Yeah, like, yeah, and UCLA went out there and proved that they should be ranked where they are ranked in that game. That- this, this, you know, they have Gonzaga by seven. I, I really don't know. I think this is closer to a toss-up than... I agree. Um, I haven't, I, I haven't, I'm not confident enough to put money on it yet because I haven't really, it's still football season for me. So my brain is just locked in on all prep football, but just looking at it very baseline, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, this is it. it <laughs> all the write ups are like top five teams going, and I guess it's because they have different rankings and different polls. But no, this, if I was writing an article, it would be like top two teams going at it watch this game. So I'm going to sit on my couch. I'm going to enjoy this. I love watching games where I don't have a dog in a fight either. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like I was football. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> week to week outside of what I'm betting on. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to get into the college basketball season. Michigan State is working out its kinks, trying to get that rotation down. Still way too many people in the rotation, Tom. I think we got like 10 or 11 in the rotation. Hoping we get that cut down. Um, it's but we'll see. We, yeah, we'll, we'll figure He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. I have much more hopes in this team than I did in the, the, the COVID team last year. That's fair. Yeah. I think to your point, too, as to why the product, uh, you know, the product is better as far as we get these great matchups early in the season. We get these top tier programs going at them. And part of that's just the nature of the sport. There's more games. Yeah, more games. Less or there's bigger margins for error, especially in falling. More parity. Parity, too. Exactly. Yeah. But if in college football, like a lot of people, including myself, have been clamoring for this. We want more of this. Any person who wants to see this transition to college football should be the biggest supporter of expanding the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. because by doing so, you are going to allow more opportunities for teams to reach out to bigger outside conference for bigger outer conference games because they know that the risk there isn't as big when they have a bigger margin of error for still making the playoffs and not having to go undefeated and win their conference title where there could be an at-large bid that they want those games on their schedule to help bolster their potential at-large bid. And yeah, that is what we're going to want. I mean, um, college, for, college basketball also offers – you could lose – you could have a losing – not a losing, but you can – come out close to having a 50-50 non-conference schedule and then torch your league and be right back in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's just the nat- the difference between the sports that's there. But I guess to my point with the college football is more like, you know, if you're not in Alabama, there's really no incentive to scheduling a hard out-of-conference game if, like, you're in the SEC because your in-conference is so hard. So hard, And yeah. you, you want to limit your losses as best as possible. But if the, we expand the playoffs to, say, they're talking 12 teams, which I think is crazy. I think but if you expand many. the playoffs to that, say they do that, Six there or are more chances the to be— number- yeah (laughs) like there can only i agree i think it should be eight but there can only be one conference champion so you now you know if you're not in alabama or an ohio state but say you're a wisconsin who most likely isn't going to beat ohio state in the big 10 championship but wants to try to make the playoffs there's now an incentive to go get a big out of conference game on the schedule to potentially win to make you that at large bid down the road type of deal that makes sense up. I'm more and more as we do this. I like my dad's uh, thing that after the second round of the college football playoffs, they should take the they should make everyone have a bye week who are in the top ten, and then make have like a mini tournament there so that you knock some of these you can knock some it. of these people out, right? And yeah. you can say, all right, you were in the top ten, so Notre Dame plays you know Notre Dame plays Michigan State, Michigan plays Oklahoma. Alabama plays UC, you know, something like that in that week because these are the top 10 in the CFP. And th- this only works, though, if you want to keep it four, if you're keeping it four. If you expand yeah. it, then you could throw that out because that doesn't make sense. But then right. you get those marquee matchups, and then we're not wondering, well, what would have happened? I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, all for expansion. I wanted to have the expansion. I will say that the rankings came out tonight. And they did finally get it right. But it also played to exactly what we've been saying literally from the start. Like what we're seeing with the college football playoffs, I was more mad at the the first week at how they ranked the back end because it was so blatantly obvious that they were trying to bolster the Big Ten conference over some other conferences (laughs) um, with just some ridiculous ratings. But we saw them get it right. Georgia's one. Ohio State leapfrogs Alabama at two, which I think is the is correct. Ohio State's the second best team in the country right now. Alabama's three. UC is four, as I've been saying. Since the get-go, they were going to make the playoffs this year. They are going to run the tables. They still have to go undefeated, which is still the case. But as long as they do that, they are making the playoffs. And then you got Michigan at five and Notre Dame at six. Oklahoma State looking outside at seven. Still able to play itself way into it. So yep. the committee got it right this week, I think. I mean, yeah. I can make the argument Oklahoma State should probably be ahead of Michigan or Notre Dame, one of the two, and they there should there's a little flip-flopping in that five to seven range but nothing egregious the only thing i don't like is notre dame notre dame has been like creeping up in these playoffs and oh that's because they want to put them in so yeah they want to put them in but (laughs) cincinnati is there it's kind of you know my argument is you can't put them in over cincy they won't and so Notre Dame isn't making it. Yeah, but also Notre Dame is probably like the seven or eight best team in the country. Even among these rankings, they, you know, like I I never want to give Michigan any credit, but I feel like Michigan would put a hurting on Notre Dame. Probably, yeah. I mean, I have to break it down a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, gut feeling. Well, and this will go into my, my Ohio State 
and Michigan breakdown, that would require Jim Harbaugh not to be an idiot. But yeah, that's true. Um, Personnel-wise, Michigan should be. Correct. Because <laughs> as we've seen, it will be part of us, and I will describe why Jim Harbaugh is an idiot, and Ohio State showed exactly why he was when he when The difference between what Ohio State did and what Michigan did in playing Michigan State is the exact case for why Jim or why Harbaugh is just an idiot, a baffling idiot at this point in time. Yeah, don't uh, abandon your 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 plan halfway through. Don't run the ball 34 times <laughs> against the literally statistical worst as far as yards allowed per game. I know every like major data guys and be like, well, efficiency wise, they're 54. Yeah. No, they stink defensive pass wise. Harbaugh, I mean, you saw it. Yeah, you saw it. You, you saw, saw it. exactly. Day yeah. went. This team can't pa- defend the pass worth a lick and attacked it. Meanwhile, Hardball's over here running the ball 34 times and pulling his his quarterback, who's actually playing well when they do throw it in key situations. It's yeah. just like the the dumb. And then telegraphing the play that you're gonna run. So yes. then, when you do throw the ball, Michigan State intercepts it. So. <laughs> My point exactly. Yes. Um. All right, I think this is a good point just to get into Ohio State, Michigan. <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan. What is the line, Nate? The line is eight and a half right now. That seems very um, low. Which I was a little shocked about, to be honest, when I saw it. I would agree. I thought it would be about ten. Ten. Be, yeah, ten feels right to me. I thought about ten and a half is where this line would be. Um, what are your takes going into this, or where do you see this game right now? Um at this point in time. So as a Michigan State fan, um, I don't want to see either of these teams win anything. So my 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 where I have to go is do I want to see Michigan lose more or Ohio State win? And both of those leave a bad taste in my mouth. So I hope Michigan gets pummeled and then I don't know. What, as long as Michigan loses. If you're asking for a uh, non-bias, they, I don't think Michigan has the front seven to stop this new Ohio State, this revamped Ohio State defense. And I think it, that's where it's going to make a difference. I don't disagree. And I need to make an update. Though I just refreshed my screen. The line has now moved to seven and a half. So somebody's betting this bad boy down. Over under 64 and a half. That is the interesting war within the war. That the the trenches is interesting for me because Michigan definitely has a better offensive line than Michigan State right now. And I yes. don't think that's controversial no. <laughs> everything would back that up. And that was an issue that I, I I brought to Tim on last podcast is that the Ohio State defense line was the most athletic and toughest defensive line they would face to date, and there were some real concerns there. There are still some concerns as to what level of push Michigan will get against them, but they should find a little bit more success. The problem on the Michigan side is what is the uh, the game plan to attack this Ohio State defense? Because as we were sort of talking about in Hardball's inability to identify that you need to really open it up against Michigan State in pass, that's sort of what you have to do against Ohio State. They're a top 15 rush defense. Um, but in the past passing game, they are susceptible. They're 37th passing efficiency defense. They're nine or 98th most yards allowed through the air in the NCAA. So you have to go after them. And are they going to do that? Because if the plan is to just be three yards in a cloud of dust, that's not a winning formula for Michigan here. It just no. it isn't. Um, Michigan to, or I'm sorry, Ohio State to blitzes 
they're blitz happy. So if you can get it over that one thing that Peyton Thorne tried to do a lot and he couldn't get over that six, six lineman is he was reading those blitzes. He, they were just batting the ball down. There were a few times where uh, Ohio state left receivers open because they were blitz happy, but the line just got to put the defensive line for Ohio state got the push. Yeah. And that's something, you know, Ohio state's ninth in sacks. They're 31st in tackles for loss. Now, Michigan's offensive line is um, has the fifth least amount of sacks allowed. Their fewest tackles for loss allowed. So the offensive line is is significantly better. Um, but that's the question. And then on the other side, Day has done one of the best jobs I have seen in identifying a team's weakness and going after it. And just being creative in the way he goes after it. And he does it again in week out. Um, and that's going to be interesting in how they attach. I would assume they're going to elect to try to take Michigan out on the ground because we know that the Michigan pass defense is pretty it's, damn good. Yeah, um, if you're going to pass it, you're going to dink and dump dump against uh, Michigan. You're not going to do that. You yeah. shouldn't be trying too many long passes unless you want to see a pick six. I, I don't disagree. I mean, that's yeah. that's their strength. I mean, they're eighth in fewest yards allowed through the air. They're the ninth most efficient passing defense in the country. Oh, by the yeah. way, Cincinnati's number one in that category, <laughs> folks, who want to continue to harp on how bad, like how undeserving Cincinnati is. Uh, they're, by the way, also a nice little fun fact about Cincinnati. Sauce Gardner, their corner, has played a thousand and eight career snaps. He has allowed zero touchdowns. Zero. These pe- Cincinnati has elite players on their team. So. Yeah, Side track, um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, pass to run for Ohio State and some like, I, agree. I, I think Ryan Day will pull out some interesting schemes on offense to confuse, try to confuse the defense. Um, I think you have to put the ball on the ground, though. I think that's what you were alluding to, too. Yep. And they can. I mean, they, yeah. Henderson, which we talked about in our uh, Big Ten breakdown before the season even started, that this guy could be was the most talented back on the roster, which is whether or not he'd really play. They've obviously brought him into the game. They have a, a healthy stable of running backs there. And Ryan Day is clearly the better coach at this point. Now, some would argue the talent level's higher, but he's kept it there. You know, there was no real drop-off when he's left. He has yet to lose a Big Ten game. He's 23-0 and in the Big Ten. Compare that to John, or to John Jim Hardball, John. who's 41. Who's 41 Drink if you were playing that at home. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many times am I going to mess up the Hardball brothers' names on this yeah. one? Um, and he has an overall record of 59-23. and 23, um, against, I mean, Kenneth uh, Walker showed you how to beat Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Hutchinson, and we talked about this in the Michigan State breakdown, has given this defense an illusion that they are better at getting after the quarterback and playing against the run. I mean, they're 37th in the country in sacks per game, right? Or in sacks. Um, Ohio State's ninth. Like, yeah. you would think they're better because they do have a stud defensive end, but there are some holes there. The seven number, I mean, at seven and a half. I mean, I'm going to just give the pick now. I'm taking Ohio State every day and twice on Saturday. I mean, I'm going to yeah. lay a responsible wager on this, but it might be one of my a bigger responsible ones. Wager. I, I, I do will, not see how Michigan can cover this number. Yeah, as a um, since I am partial, I won't give a, a pick here. Um, I will say I don't <laughs> like the seven and a half number, and I thought I think it should be higher. Um, I think the other thing, too, is Ohio State is playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, even though it's undeserving, 
But I think that <laughs> after after losing to the Ducks and then seeing those first couple of CFP rankings, now they're ranked where they probably should be. But um, I think they see that. And Michigan has a chance to play their way into the college football playoffs. But can Harbaugh and staff uh, capitalize on this? We've seen them um, just put it all out there and, again, shit the bed before. So I don't understand. I, you know, I I can't even think. I watch a lot of Michigan football. Um, I hate watch it. And I know Valenti told us not to say that, but I do. Uh, but <laughs> and I don't know when I've seen Harbaugh like coach out of his mind. And that's what he I will have to do. That. Yeah. For this game. I got nothing for you in that front. Unless I, I Ohio honestly, State overlooks Michigan. Since he's left Stanford, I honestly can't think of a time where that's happened. Yeah. Oh, I, I take that back. I take that back. That taking that 49ers team to the or to the Super oh, Bowl. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought we <laughs> yes. were just talking about <laughs> yeah, I thought we were just talking about the college ranks. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, that job was amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was talking more in college football. I in was college, saying, yeah. yeah, yeah, outside of Stanford, I don't at his tenure at Michigan. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. And yeah. the other concern too is we don't know. I haven't seen it officially yet. But Blake Corum being yeah. on the unhealthier side is significant. Now, obviously, they have another great back there, but you know that one-two punch, that thunder and lightning approach is pretty key to their identity. So, you know, monitoring his health will be pretty important, I think. But if I don't know if this number is going to keep going lower. I don't think so. I have a feeling somebody's out there betting it down and they're trying number hunt and then this thing's going to come back up because I have to imagine the public's going to jump pretty heavily at it. But, yeah, seven and a half, I, I love Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we shall see on Saturday. I will be watching that game. Um Obviously. Yes. I was hoping that I didn't have to worry about that game. That would have been nice, but yeah, it would have been nice. Can't. We had a chance. We had a chance and you know, you get your chances. You get there. We played the games and you have your opportunities there. And it was, it was an unfortunate opportunity, but Hey, at least you beat Michigan, right? There's yep, at least silver yep. lining and you're still in a new year six contention. Yep. Um, another big 10 game staying sort of on a rivalry the corn-fed boys of Iowa versus Nebraska. The line is at one and a half. Iowa is the favorite over under 41 and a half. Is Nebraska the greatest bad team you've ever yeah, seen? They are the best bad team in, in the history. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nebraska should win this game. Agreed. They should win. A- I, I Iowa. The problem is, Whenever we get on this podcast and say Iowa can't score, they go drop 30 on someone. <laughs> They're like outside the top 100 in all their their uh, offensive rankings. But yeah, no, it's true. Every time we, we come on here, they 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 apparently are big fans of Trophy Kids podcast and just want to play with a chip on their shoulder every time we come on here and rip them. But that was my exact thought. I was like, Nebraska should win this game. They should get yeah. this win. Nebraska should get this. It should win this game. Get a, a nice win. <sighs> They are three and eight. They are not bowl eligible. Nope. They, they are. They played so many games. You're like, oh my. I mean, there's something like five and 19 in Scott Frost's career at Nebraska. Like that in one score games. Like it's yeah. insane the amount of one score games they have played and lost 
during his time in Nebraska. It's They're almost the like when they get into one score games, they should take Scott Fro- like Scott Frost should have to leave the field. Him and, and Martinez. Should. I don't know what the backup situation is, but the two of them should be nowhere near a football. Yeah. And just let them get. I mean, and then they play similarly, right? Where they either throw an interception, they some crazy like fumble or bad call happens or something, and then they're just out of it. That was that was the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, these two teams are the Spider-Man gift pointing at each other almost right now. It's yeah. incredible. Uh, I yeah, was Nebraska's- nine to. I, this I want to say bet Nebraska, but I also don't want anyone in our mentions like, hey, we put money on a three and eight in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I don't think they're going to make it on my card. My pick would be the Nebraska, but that's my biggest problem is like anytime Scott Frost gets in sniffing distance of a big win, he absolutely pukes on himself like every single the time field if they beat Iowa, aren't they? hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing else is going on. You might as well. <laughs> what else also, is going on in my, for all um, conference um, chairman listening um, or conference presidents, I have a team located in Nebraska. It's not Creighton, but it's located in Nebraska <laughs> that if you would like to take off your hands for your charge, you can. Yeah. They're, they're Black Friday special in front. Yes. <laughs> we'll dole them out. <laughs> we'll dole them out. <laughs> the other side of the Big Ten will not miss them, let me tell you. Did I tell you what my, like, I don't know, maybe it's not really a conspiracy. Like, people were here this be like, yeah, no, duh, Nate. Like, that wasn't brainiac science you're doing over here. But my conspiracy theory as to why all the conference champions, or not conference champions, conference um, presidents are all, like, up in a huff to get this playoff expanded real quick. No. Enlighten me. So right now it's four teams. The SEC is always in spitting distance of getting two teams in, right? Mm-hmm. When they add Oklahoma and Texas, not so much Texas right now, but Oklahoma. If Oklahoma assimilates well, you can only have one champion. So there at times are going to be points. I forget what's they'll be on what? Uh, Alabama side of the bracket, yeah. there will be times where you'll have a one-loss Alabama or one-loss Oklahoma that can't play in the SEC championship who will be a brand name that has a shot at making it in. So the SEC is almost guaranteed like two teams going forward in this four-team system. And then you're going to have like the Big Ten get their champ. So like I think all the conference champion or all the conference presidents realize that when Oklahoma moves in, if they assimilate well yeah. and are super competitive like they've been, that the SEC is basically going to get two teams bookmarked every year in the, like whoever got left out of the SEC champion and the SEC champion are going to be in the playoff. <laughs> That's so, my theory. My only fear with expanding it to six, not so much if you expanded it to eight or 12, but expanding it to six is that you put four SEC teams. into. Uh, well, you'd have to write the rules. I think that's what the eight does is you write the rules that it's the five at law or the five power fives get in automatically there. You pencil them in. Whoever wins their conference champion is in period. So if you're the big no 12, you are like, surprise. hallelujah. Yes, I want that. Thank the Lord. Yes. Because yes, <laughs> that's uh, where that other and, SEC team was going to go. Exactly. And yeah. then I, I think you also write in in the group of five, whoever the highest ranking group of five member is also an automatic in. Okay. Yeah, and then, that's the, I think that's really important. Yep. And then 
that's six teams that are spoken for out of an 18 playoff. So you only have two at larges and that limits you from having like an all sec tournament. Yeah. I think you have to write those in like as in stone laws, but I think that solves the problem because if you don't, they will put yep. four sec teams in there. Yep. And that's why I think they want to expand it. Right. Like they're all like, we need to expand this today. Cause they yeah. all realize that like if Oklahoma, Alabama and Georgia are all sitting there at the end of the season, they all, all three of them can't play in the SEC championship. And yep. if one of them, and them, all of them could have one loss. Exactly. And say it's yeah. to, to one of those other, one teams, of the other ones. Yeah. They're getting in. <laughs> so you're going to have two teams in the SEC out of four teams every year. Yeah. Well, not every year, but there's a potential for that most years. So that was my theory. Um, we got a little, like like what were that. we talking about before that? Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska. That's what. Oh we yeah, I know. I don't know if Iowa, I have Nebraska. anything else on that. Yeah, I don't know no. if they're gonna make it on that card. We'll see. You um, watch that game through your fingertips, like you know, put your hand over your face. <laughs> yeah, it, some dumb things are gonna happen in that game. I, I said uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the San Diego Chargers was gonna be a drunk game where thing, dumb things just happen. That's that's the philosophy here. Some dumb things are gonna happen in Iowa, Nebraska this weekend, <laughs> for sure. Um, let's talk Ed Bull. Thursday night or Thursday. Yeah, Thursday night, 730. Old Miss, Mississippi State. The line's at one and a half. Old Miss is the underdog here. Over unders 62 and a half. I don't know if you have much on this. Um other than this is like social media's favorite game. Everyone the loves the yeah, everyone Absolute loves the egg bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute best. Um, I do wonder if the Lane Kiffin rumors about and I didn't oh, look at Miami. Enough. Yeah, the Miami thing play any factor. I mean, Matt Carell's gone. We know that he's going yeah. to the NFL, the quarterback. Duh. Um, but Lane Kiffin potentially leaving. I don't know if that'll be a motivating factor. If that will like go win one for the skipper, last potential Egg Bowl here, rivalry game, high power offense with an Ole Miss defense that at times can look competent, which is surprising. There are weeks where they look like they don't belong on a football field, and there are weeks where you're like, oh, where has this team been all year? Um, and then you have Mississippi State, who seemingly loves to play from behind and turn on the Jets late, but I don't think you can do that against this Ole Miss team, especially if the offense no. is rolling. No, so my question to you about Lane Kiffin and this Miami move, which every day goes past, I'm like, in the summer, he is going to be it at Miami is my like gut. perfect fit yeah it just makes so much sense but if I'm playing for Lane Kiffin right now and I'm a player with the transfer portal how many of those players do you think realistically are thinking oh Lane is going to take me with him oh that's a good question I haven't looked at the Miami roster but it's probably a decent chance, especially some of the younger guys. That yeah, you that's what I'm thinking. Cause yeah, I, I would think so. I'm thinking that I think Lane Kiffin has this game. I mean, again, it's, these are, again, the Egg Bowl is one of those ones where you have no idea. Also, it's Lane Kiffin, like the epitome of South Beach. LA. Yeah. <laughs> Lynch, who oh, is like. When he goes to Miami, <laughs> like, not only will the energy come back to the Canes, but the scandals and the oh, it's, it's a match made in heaven. It it's is going to it it's gonna look like the, the late eighties down there. Lane Kiffin alone on the strip as a single man is yeah. wild. <laughs> if you thought uh what was happening to the in uh Jacksonville 
<laughs> when he was Plus at uh, FAU or whatever. Yeah. Florida Atlantic. At Florida Atlantic. What is going to happen in Miami? I, I can't wait to watch it because it's going to be a train wreck. And we're going to look up and Miami is going to be uh, uh, ranked fifth in the, the CFP. Oh, uh, they're going to be a yeah. powerhouse. Yeah. yeah it's going to like be like four years. And then it's going to all come collapsing down. It's Perfect gonna crash down. Yeah, it's going to crash. We'll never hear from Miami again for another 10 years. <laughs> another documentary out of it, though. That'll be awesome. Oh, yes. It'll be a... It'll be another 30 for 30. Lane Kiffin will be banned from college football altogether. Yep. He's gonna have he's gonna be a second patient through the Saban rehab facility of coaches. <laughs> yeah. Where's Lane Kiffin at? Uh, he's coaching at some D3 school. But he lived his life. <laughs> oh, awesome. I, I don't understand. I know we're supposed to be talking about the egg bowl, but honestly, I do think Lane Kiffin is going to Miami. Unless, unless you know some boosters where he current where he's currently at is he wants to keep him around. That's the other thing. Like, what's the energy for Lane Kiffin there? Pretty good. I mean, pretty good. Okay. This is yeah. I mean, Ole Miss is in this. I mean, they're in the top ten right now. The, oh no, I know Ole Miss is. They're exciting. They're, I mean, they're in the running for um, the Manning kid. I mean, they are. Yeah, I, I would say he's pretty well received, and he's also just like a big name. Like your your program is always going to be talked about with Lane Kiffin as your head coach. Like you're yeah. always there. It's brand acknowledgement. So I think yeah, it goes kind of hand in hand. I think he's so good at my advice to Ole Miss is pay this man there. Yeah, well, dude, James Franklin got his bag less yeah. than Mel Tucker though. Um, he got his ten year extension. Well, did you see I, that? Look, I I did see that, but I think. USC is making the wrong decision here. I don't know what LSU, USC, any of these programs, like all the coaches are getting just grabbed up by their colleges, which is interesting. I, I feel like Penn State and Minnesota both overpaid for. Yeah, Minnesota have been great. Definitely overpaid. Um, PJ, he peaked at yep. Western. Yep, in that like first year at Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was still a Western year basically yeah <laughs> and then you've got franklin who yeah he won a big 10 championship back in 2016 but since then it i don't think anybody would say the penn state program has been the best and now i know the recruiting class coming in next year and yeah, i'm probably not the best person to speak on this because i've had it out for him this season i haven't been wrong though look at the offensive struggles and what i've been saying but yeah. um yeah that was an interesting usc concept. and lsu are going to find themselves in a hurt place next year yeah, unless they Tim and his Lincoln Riley to LSU banter, but I mean, I guess Tim, but Tim is taking part in some recreational marijuana there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know that. That was a joke, people. It's all a joke. joke. That was a joke. It's all if a you joke. know anything about Tim, you would understand why that is funny. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really funny if you know Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um. That is not happening. I just want that's that's how absurd that I, is. I don't know why it would. He's going to the SEC and he's set at Oklahoma right now. Like I like I yes, what? the LSU job's like a top three job probably in the country, but like but, is it that much better than Oklahoma? Okay, it was like okay, you're going to go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to the SEC. Now we're playing on hard mode, and then you want to go to LSU. Now you're playing on extreme when you it, didn't even do the first round. Of- the other thing too is your margin of error is so much slimmer at LSU at Oklahoma or at Oklahoma. He is solid, um, which can be the next game we talk about, but I guess to wrap up all this is we've kind of gotten <laughs> off track. I do. I need to do some more. That's research. what happens when you talk about Lane Kiffin. 
Dude, he's electric on and off the field. Anytime you're talking about him, it just it brings out the best in people, really, truly. Wink, wink. Oh, um, yeah. uh, I think Ole Miss has this game, I guess. I do, too. I got to look a little bit more into it just to make sure there isn't some injury I'm missing here, but I'm, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss has got this game as well. But again, my disclaimer is anything happened in the Egg Bowl. 100%. And it's a Thursday on Thanksgiving. I mean, crazy things will happen. Um, let's talk about another place that crazy things happens. Bedlam, one of my favorite games a year. Um, that pitch black sky, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, totally different type of bedlam this year. I mean, the over under, I I don't know historically what these are like. They're usually high. I'm talking about like in the context of how low this is comparative to other years, but this total is sitting last. I saw at 49 and a half point spread right now is four and a half. Oklahoma state is the favorite. It is at Oklahoma State. This is Bedlam. This is a great rivalry game. I love this game every single year. 7.30. Get your popcorn ready. Where do you make this game and playing out right now? It's a top 10 matchup. This is a chance for Oklahoma to say, it's a chance for both these teams to say, we would like to be in the college football playoffs. Thank you very much. Um, Now, obviously, they have to win and then win their crazy do they have the one that's a that is the Big Twelve the one that's a it's a is top their two. conference champion? Yeah, is it top two? Yep. Top okay. Two. So yeah, where I landed on this game is I don't like how either of these teams have been inconsistent. They both will play out of their mind when they need to, but they aren't automatic, right? They don't have a lot of consistency. Um, I guess if I had to like gut take this game, I'm gonna take Oklahoma State, but man, I'm talking about last second field goal or like a pick six or something. So Dude, this is where this game gets weird this year because I mean historically these are offensive teams. And this year, both these yeah. teams are arguably bringing in the best defenses they've had. I mean, for sure, Oklahoma State is bringing in the best defense they've ever had. I mean, that's a top-tier defense in the country, in, or Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma's bringing in one of the best defenses they've had. Um, and the offense is kind of hit or miss. I mean, Caleb Williams at times can be an electric factory. I mean, he had the the play of the week, or maybe not the week, but play of the game for sure last week with that 78-yard run. Yeah. Really shot electricity into this. But this is a game where defense kind of rules the roost. Um, in Oklahoma State, I mean, they play... Sanders, again, can be electric at times, but he will oh, yeah, throw an interception. He will throw. <laughs> so 100% agree with that. Yeah, no, 100%. He can be electric too, but he's also widely inconsistent. And the offense isn't where yeah. you want it to be. But this is an Oklahoma State defense that plays physical downhill. I mean, they're number one in tackles for loss. They're number one in sacks. Um, this is a team that likes to play on the other side of the ball. They like to play downhill. They are going to hit you in the mouth. And I don't know if Oklahoma can respond to that. I don't, yeah. I don't know Oklahoma where you're at with State. that. Defense, too, is one of the ones that goes against the convention of, oh, if you keep your defense on the field all the time, they'll be tired. Like you said, Oklahoma State's defense, even when their offense is sputtering, is happy to be out there and happy to give them the ball back. And electric. Like, you you don't see them really get tired and kind of down it's it's very impressive what they've done down there completely opposite of what that brand has been for years um so this is a different type of bedlam but i don't like the switch up a little bit i, I mean i don't hate the switch up i'm with you I, I i'm not willing to put it on my card just yet i want to we're recording this on a tuesday i tried to do as much research as i can give you good stats at six i am giving a strong lean oklahoma state 
minus four and a half, but it will be something that you will see on this game will be on the card. I just, I'm not a hundred percent there yet. I want to do a little bit more digging, but I'm pretty, I'm like 95% there at Oklahoma state. I, you know, I am commending you for not gloating about you. You gloated a little bit about Ohio state, but you have not said anything about Utah. Oh, we're getting there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We are getting there because, well, you know what? Why don't we just get there right now? (laughs) Would you like to thank me people for Utah State? Or Utah State. Utah, I have said it since we did the Pac-12 preview. I put them as the future bet to win. You said this beginning of the, before football started. Marked it down, beating Oregon. Said it. Exactly what happened. Placed that wager, cashed it. I know, I know the Pac-12. I just, I know that I'm up like a degenerate late at night. Tim saw it. I was up until like three in the morning watching Pac-12 football when I was at his house. Um, yeah, I crushed it. I know everybody and their mother was on Utah last weekend, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, sure." No, you can go back and rewatch no, the yeah, film. L- have it on listen. record. <laughs> yes, go back and listen. Nate has been high on Utah literally forever before yep. they before the first snap. Nailed it. Um, I haven't nailed like I I mean, people know the the one I completely missed on with Oklahoma, but I nailed this and I it was definitely my most confident going into the season. But uh yeah, I uh that was a good one. I, I enjoyed the the heck out of that win. I placed a nice responsible wager on that game. Um and I won me I won me some money, which was nice. And uh my future bet is looking nicer and nicer. Um, as we head into this, they are playing Colorado though. It is a 23 and a half point spread this week. It's not worth I watching. I, I am going to be reasonable again here and not place a single dollar on this game. Um, <laughs> you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. And I am holding them on this hand. And I'm going to let this week go by. So you are a, not, you're not a PAC 12 fan, but you're PAC 12 whisperer. And we Whisper. have a, I don't, is it a rivalry? Oregon State versus Oregon. I don't know anything about this. It is going to be. It was a game we were going to talk about. It is the Civil War, um, in Oregon in Oregon State. That game, last I checked, it's like seven or six or something like that. Yes, was seven. See where it's at right now. Seven and a half. Where would you like to make this game, or where would you like to start? I guess with this game. I guess I don't know anything about Oregon State. So let's start there. Not very good. <laughs> um, look, this, but it's this, still a seven and a half point game. So that's telling. It is. Um, I like Oregon here. I like their ability to play physical up at the front uh, at the point of attack in the trenches. It's one of the reasons I took Utah last week was because, you know, people were all over the fat. They were like, well, this Oregon ducks off its lines the best in years. They're like, um, first of all, went out purposely recruited he's an offensive line coach that's where he made his bones he wanted to be physical oregon oregon has been um i think i've been saying oklahoma here but oregon has been uh, okay yeah um oregon has been super soft up front and that was the thing they did and i pointed the fact out that utah is a top five team and tackle for losses they get they get great penetration they're fine up front this is an area where when you look at um oregon state they don't have that same effect i do think there is a bully ball type mentality in this game um, for Oregon to sort of just kind of manhandle them there um, is sort of my initial read on this game. Yeah. Uh, the Ducks are at home. Yeah. 
They are at home. That's oh, so that factor. means three of those. That means three of those seven points are coming because they're at home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Man, how far you have come since we have started this gambling podcast where you can point that out yeah. right away. <laughs> hey, I am I try I, I peg myself as a quick learner. The gambling thing has so many ins and outs that they aren't really written down. It's more like you have to get into it to figure this like some of the 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 conventions out there, right? And even sometimes the over-unders get me in the sense that I'm like, that's way too many points. And then I, lo and behold, you know, 65 points, that's way too many. And then they both teams put up 70. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and for the, the, the plan on the other side of the ball, I, I use the tackles for loss. Uh, I think it's a good metric to use to, to kind of point out, you know, you know, does this team get good penetration? Can they get up the field? Oregon State is sitting at 82nd or 86th right now. It is not a defense that when I've watched them, I think, yeah, when they get into a war like they are going to with Oregon on that offensive front, that they can win that. And for me, that is a ginormous advantage, especially in rivalry games. If you can control that line of scrimmage, it's a ginormous difference. Now, the offense of Oregon, we know the story. It's not been very good. Um, and the defense has been not as good as I thought it would be this year. They have not yeah. been as good as I thought they would be. Uh, but I do think that they should. It's they should. not even like you can call it inconsistent. A lot of times their offense just disappears. Yeah. And you know what? It reminds me a lot of Michigan State when Michigan State offense just
Thank you.